Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. I want to talk to you about the manger today. The manger. Everybody knows the story of the manger. We probably all have seen it on Instagram. Some of you have posted on your story just the cute little manger. Some of you have them, have them outside of your house. You know what I'm saying? But Luke chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. David's ancient home, excuse me, his ancient home, excuse me. He traveled there from the village of, the Nazareth, of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. Jesus gave birth to her firstborn son. She gave birth, not Jesus. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of clothing and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So she gives birth. They travel to Bethlehem. She gives birth to Jesus. They have no space in the inn for them to be. So they're somewhere either in a stable or somewhere where there's, where there's a manger. And the Bible says that they lay Jesus in a manger. Then then what happens is angels go and meet shepherds in a field. And this is kind of where we pick up in the story in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The angels disappear, uh, go back up to heaven in Luke chapter 2 and verse 15. It says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. The manger is such an important part of the Christmas story. It's such an important part of the birth of Jesus. And you may be like, well, why is it important? I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about it today. So I believe there's three reasons from what I can see in the text and many other reasons, but from what I can see today, three reasons I want to talk to you about why the manger is such an important part of the Christmas story. The first reason is this. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 7, it says she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The manger shows us why Jesus came. The manger from the beginning of Jesus' life on earth, at birth, the manger shows us why Jesus came. Jesus was the King of Kings and is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus, the Bible says that they tell Mary and they tell the shepherds, he's the Savior, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and yet he's born in a manger. Well, here's what you have to realize. No king before this or even after this, no prince, no son of a king was born in a stable. No son of a king that we know of that was born in a manger, that was put in a manger. Why? Because kings, this is no crib for a king. 
This is no kid, I mean, this is no crib for like a normal child. Like I wouldn't put my baby in a manger. If you don't know what a manger is, many of you probably do, but mangers, we kind of pretty them up on Instagram. And we kind of pretty them up in front of our house where it's like, it's like this, this, this cool, nice, like artsy, rustic looking, uh, look, looking wooden thing. And we have some cloth coming out of it that's nice and clean. And then we have like light shining. So it's kind of like this glow of like, ah. And like, we just think it's this beautiful moment, but that's really not what a manger looks looked like back then. Manger was a feeding trough. I don't know if any of you have ever been to a farm, but if you've ever been to a farm and you've been around a feeding trough of, of pig trough or a horse trough or whatever it may be, those things are nasty. I don't know if you've ever been around those things, but like you ever watched pigs eat in a food trough? I'm going to be honest with you. You're like, what? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, it's not fun. It's not, it's not like this pretty, it's disgusting, it's dirty, it smells, it's nasty. And yet Jesus was late in this. Why? I'm glad you asked. I'll show it to you in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. The Bible says that he took upon the position of a humble servant. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, it says, for even the son of man came to be, to be served, but, but not, excuse me, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life for a ransom for many. It shows us a picture of Jesus, he, even though he was king, even though he was God. And here's what he did. He said, he gave up those rights and he came as a servant. The scripture says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve others. From the very beginning of time of Jesus' birth, we see the picture of why Jesus came. He came to serve others. This was the birth and a birthplace of a servant in a stable, in a manger. No birthplace for a king. But what does that show us? It shows us Jesus' heart. God's heart was, listen, I'm coming and I want you to know. It's not so that I'm coming so everybody can give me all this, all this praise. No, I'm coming as a servant because I want to serve people with my life. And he did that by dying on the cross. He served you and I. Where now we can receive Christ. We can receive forgiveness. We can receive eternal life. We can receive right relationship with God. All because he was willing to serve you and I with his life. And we see this through the manger. It was a servant's type of birth. And God says, I want you to know, it's a picture from the very beginning of his, of his life. I want you to know he's a servant. In fact, not only that, I think it shows us a picture of wh why, but again, a feeding trough was disgusting and it was nasty. It was a mess. And here's what's cool. I love the New Living Translation, Luke chapter two and verse seven that we just read. I love how they write it. It says, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snuggly, like, you know, snuggly. She wrapped him all snugly in the, in, the, in the manger, in cloth, and put him in a manger. It almost, like the snuggle, the snuggly words, it almost makes it like he's comfortable in the manger. He was comfortable in the manger. What does this show us? It shows us a picture of this, I believe. The manger, again, was dirty, it was messy, it was nasty, and yet Jesus was comfortable in that mess. It shows us a picture of why he came, because he showed us a picture of us and our lives. We're all a mess. 
and yet Jesus is comfortable in every single one of our mess. Now, he tries to call us out of our mess, but he's comfortable loving us right where we are in our mess. Why? Because he desires for us to know that he's there, and he cares for us, and he loves us. See, oftentimes, as believers, as Christians, we, we try to create this, this, this facade of where we appear like we have everything together. We try to create this facade like, oh yeah, I know the Bible and oh yeah, I know what to do and what not to do. And you know, social networks have re- has really hurt uh, a lot of people in creating this appearance of everything's great. And then we get home and we're by ourselves or we get, we get home where we get to work or whatever and we're just, we're, we're not all put together, but yet everybody else we think is, so we gotta put on this facade of I'm appearing like I have everything together. Well, Jesus didn't come for those. We see it through the manger. He didn't come for those that have everything put together. He came for those that were in a mess, that were a mess. That's why he came for you and I, because even though all of us in this room watching online, everybody that calls himself a human, every person on this planet, even though we may think people have it together, no one has it all together. No one on the planet has it all together. In fact, I think Christians, what we have just done is we have just gotten good at appearing to have it all together. We've gotten really good at appearing like we got life right and we got life the way we want. When Jesus says in the scripture, I want to show it to you in Mark chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He says, and we see it through the manger. I've not come for those that feel like they got it all together. That got it all right. And again, he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were what we would call the Christians. They were the ones that were, had this appearance of they were holy and they were godly. And he says, I've not come for you. He says, I've come for people that were in a mess, that are in a mess, that need, that are sick and need a doctor, that are, that are sinners that need a savior. I've come for people that know that, guess what? I don't have it all together. I don't claim to have it all together. I don't know that I, I don't ever know if I will have it all together, but I know a savior who does have it all together. And this is why he came. It shows us a picture from the very beginning of his birth. I love the manger because it shows us a great picture of who and why he came. He, his heart is so much in love with us that he says, I'm willing to show you that I'm come to serve you. But then not only come to serve you, now I want you to know that I'm okay and I, I'm, I'm willing to be in the mess with you where you are. Maybe you're mentally in a place where you feel like you're a mess mentally and you've got depression or oppression or all these things. I want you to know God is in your situation with you. And he loves you. Maybe you're in a situation relationally where it's just a mess and you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to say what, what's going to do what, and you know who's going to get the kids and who's not going to get the kids. And there may be all these things going on. I want you to know God is in the middle of your mess because he loves you. And we see it from the beginning of his birth. Jesus shows us a picture that he's comfortable in our mess. Why? Because he desires for us to know he's there for us. He's a God that loves us and cares for us. He's in our mess. I believe this, and it's important for us to know this. And if we put our life, if we put this appearance on, I believe, of having it all together, what can happen is we can almost allow God, not allow God, we can almost miss God wanting to work in us because we're so focused on making everybody else think we got it all going, everything's good. Everything's good relationally or everything's good financially or everything's good emotionally or everything's good mentally, everything's good spiritually, everything's good. So then we almost miss God trying to work in us and be in the middle of the mess because we're not being vulnerable and allowing God to be a part of the mess. Does that make sense? It's so important that we want to understand this is why did he come? Why is the manger important? Because it shows why he came and the importance of who he is and how he loves us. In Luke chapter two in verse 12, 
This is the angel speaking to the shepherds. It says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Luke chapter two and verse 16. This is right after the angels uh, go back to heaven. It says, they hurried to the village. This is the shepherds. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. I love this because it shows us a picture. What does a manger do? It shows us a picture of why he came, but then also it doesn't show us a picture of just why he came. It shows us a picture of who he is. The manger, the scripture says, right there in verse 12, this will be a sign for you. Jesus laying in a manger was a sign to the shepherds that he was the Messiah, that he was the savior, that he was the king. Now here's what's interesting. We can just look at statistics and just life and humanity. More than likely, it doesn't say it in the scripture, but more than likely on this day of Jesus' birth, on this evening when Jesus was born, more than likely there were more than, he was, there were more than one child. There was more than just him being born. Statistically speaking, you know, maybe when you were born, you were the only child in the hospital. More than likely, that wasn't the case. There were other children being born. With Jesus, there were probably more than just him being born in that time on that day. More than likely, okay? Jesus could have, God could have like set it up where Jesus was the only one, but more than likely, just through humanity, we see the the producing of, of children, the fruitfulness of children, more than likely, more than just Jesus was born in this moment. So how do the shepherds know which baby that we find is Jesus? How do we know? How do we know that this is really him? How do we know that this is really who, who, he, who, the, who the angels are saying he is? You're gonna find, it's a sign, you're gonna find a baby in a manger. So what do they do? They go to Bethlehem and they're looking around. They're trying to find a baby in a manger. That's what scripture says. They find the baby in the manger and this is when they know that's the Messiah. That's the savior. That's, that's God right there. And so then they do, the scripture says they go and they share with everyone all that had happened. And then after that, the Bible says they praise God and worship God for what he had shown them, what he had done in their lives. It shows us a picture. What does the manger do? It shows us a picture of who Jesus really is. He was the king. Why? Because it says there's gonna be a sign. There's gonna be confirmation. I'm speaking to you. I'm giving you something, a promise that the Messiah has been born. But I want you to know there's also confirmation in that promise. And on that promise, you're gonna to find this baby in a manger. It's confirmation. I believe that we serve a God who is a God who desires to confirm his word in you and I. God is always wanting to speak his promises in our lives. He's always wanting to confirm his promises in our lives. But here's what I know. In order for God to confirm his word, we have to know his word. In order for God to confirm his word, we have to, be, we have to read his word and know his word. We can't stand in, on God's promises and him confirm them if we're not listening to God speak. It's so important that we understand this. So for us in this season, for us in every season, we have to evaluate, say, okay, am I taking time to allow God to speak to me? We can be so frustrated with our jobs. We can be so frustrated relationally. We can be so frustrated with different things in life and we can be so frustrated but never take time to allow God to speak to that season or that moment and so then we never hear him and so we stay frustrated. So what we must do is we must take time to allow God to speak to us about the situations that we're walking through and going through in our lives and then he confirms his word in us. 
I remember in the beginning of 2018 is when Ashley and I decided uh, that's when we made our decision to move to Tallahassee uh, uh, to uh, plant and launch Experience Church. We had been praying through all 2016 and all 2017, really about two years, been working, talking with my pastor and praying and trying to seek God and we're just trying to hear his voice and trying to know what he was saying. And, and so we really took a two-year period. A lot of people, they want to hear God in a month and, month and they want to do something else the next month. We took a two-year period where we just prayed. We sought God. We just asked God, okay, God, what do you want us to do? Where are you asking us to go? We knew that God was speaking to us about launching a church. We didn't know where. We didn't know when. We just continued to seek the Lord. In 2018, end of 2017 is really where we heard God. We felt like God spoke to us about moving to Tallahassee. We made the decision in the beginning of 2018. Now, many of you may know this. Some of you may not. But starting a church is scary. Okay, If you've never done it, try it if you want. It's really scary. It's not the easy thing. We moved here, and I think we knew three people in the whole city. Okay, so we were not from here. We're not like, we're not like originally from Tallahassee. We didn't know the area. In fact, I thought coming here, like the only thing around was just the college. I'm like, man, these people are crazy. You know what I'm saying? And so I'll never forget, we're praying and, you know, we went to all these trainings and we went to all these things that's teaching us how to do it and what to do. And, uh, you know, you're supposed to launch and have like a launch day is what they call it. And so they, the training said, you know, you need to probably raise about $200,000 to start or to launch. You need to have about $200,000. Now, when I, at that point in my life, $200,000, I was like, O-M-G. Like, how in the world am I going to find or get $200,000? There is no way. I don't know where. I don't know how. I don't have it. I don't know where it's going to come from. And so I remember struggling with the, not the doubt, but the, the, the frustration or the confusion and the worry of, if I don't have this, what's gonna happen? I don't, I, 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 and I just was, I remember being worked up and I'll never forget, true story, it's a true story, I'll never forget, I'm having this conversation with God and, and the, this, this one morning, and I remember in the afternoon, Ashley and I, we, we decided to take the afternoon off and we went golfing and where we lived and we were golfing and they, they paired us with a, another couple. Now, I don't love, I'm just being vulnerable with you here, I don't love being paired with someone when I'm golfing. The reason why is because I'm terrible, okay? Like, when I say terrible, like, I don't, people are like, oh, do you golf? I'm like, no, I hack. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, the ball doesn't ever go where I want it to, and, and it, it sometimes can be a little frustrating. So I don't like being paired with somebody I don't know, because when I'm being paired with somebody I know, all I know that they're thinking or all I think that they're thinking is this guy's terrible, he's taking too long. And so I'm driving off like, oh man, they're so frustrated. Ah, you know, so I just don't like it. So we get paired with this couple and I'm frustrated. And I tell Ash we're driving, I can't believe we're getting paired with this couple. Ah, you know what I'm saying? And I'll never forget, we're, 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 we're do, we play the round, we talk, we have conversation, we just kind of, you know, just as we're golfing, and the guy at some point asks, what are you doing? And I told him, actually, we're in the season of where we've just uh, quit our job, and we're going to be moving to Tallahassee to start a church. And he's like, oh, that's great. And um, this guy, I, I don't remember his name, and I don't even remember what he, really what he looks like, but uh, I, I, will, I will say, he, he, I do remember the way he was acting, and he was not acting godly, to say the least. Uh, he was saying things on the golf course that no one should say, Okay most of you in the room when you golf, you know what I'm saying? And so he was, he, he was just, you know, he wasn't like this, this diehard Christian that was like, oh yeah, I've been saved for 15,000 years. Like it was just a normal dude that was golfing with his wife. And so we're telling him, he's like, oh, that's cool, man. And we dropped it. We didn't talk about it for the rest. That was probably like hole three or four. We dropped that part. We never talked about that again. We kept going. Now uh, we were leaving the last hole. We finished, shook his hand, said, thank you so much for playing with us. We shook the lady's hand, talked to Ash. We both waved and I'm pulling off in the golf cart. This is a true story, real story. 
pulling off the golf cart, and the guy says, hey, 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 wait a second, wait a second, come over here, come over here. So yes, sir, so I walk over there, and he says, you know what, he said, I don't know what it is, he says, but something inside of me he's, is telling you to give you $100. And I said, okay. He said, I want, I want to give you $100 to, to help you with your church. Now, that being said, here's the $100. This $100 bill, and actually, in fact, this is the exact $100 bill that he gave us. Now, to you, this is just $100. Most of us in this room, $100, you're like, yeah, you need $100, I'll give you $100, no sweat. You're not gonna really be frustrated about it. You're not gonna really overthink it. And this is what's crazy. This guy had no idea how valuable his $100 bill really was. I told somebody earlier, this $100 bill, this piece of paper right here, is probably my most valuable possession that I own. Why? Because this is so much more than the value of the dollar. This, to me, is God's confirmation. I was frustrated and I was wondering, God, how are you gonna do that? And some random person, the same day, the most, just some random guy was like, hey, you know what, something's telling me. I know who that something was. He might not have known who that something was, but I know who that, that was the Holy Spirit. Tugged on his heart and he said, you know what, I wanna give you that $100. I wanna give you $100. And so this is what, I, this is what he did. And you know what, it's something in my heart. It's the craziest thing, I'm telling you. It was the craziest thing. Something in my heart flipped. Something in my heart switched and I just said, God, you're gonna do it. If you can tell some random person that I've never met before to give to what you're calling me to do, I know, God, you're gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna bless me with whatever else is that we need. And so it's so crazy. As simple as this little $100 bill is, this is God's confirmation. And I've never had like these like, aha moments with God where people are like, yeah, like I was in my room and it was like, all of a sudden, everything started getting bright. And all of a sudden I had this like, I heard angels singing. And next thing you know, I was floating in the air. And I'm like, mm, was that Jesus or were you high? You know what I'm saying? Like, shouldn't have said that probably. Not, not pastor all enough. Got to speak love and truth, you know what I'm saying? So you might have been, you know, might have been a little high, but that's a praise God, you know. My, some of my staff, they're, they're, they're keeping a tally on a book on things pastors shouldn't say. <laughs> they really are. It's really bad, but praise God, put it in the, put it in the book, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's funny. I've never had one of those type moments, but this to me was like that. It was like God out of the whole world and the seven billion people. He took a moment on some random golf course and he let me know, I got you. He let me know that this isn't just your dream. This isn't just what you want to do. This is me. And I could get, I could get real teary-eyed real quick and we're not going to do that because I don't want to be one of those crying pastors. You know what I'm saying? But it, it's, it means so much because again, here's what we know. We serve a God who wants to confirm his promises in you. God has promised something in for everybody in this room. God's promised for people in, 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 watching online. He's made so many promises, and he wants to confirm those promises. And so here's what it is. We just trust him, and as we trust him, he begins to speak to us. And I love this because this manger was not some extravagant thing. I needed $200,000. This is $100. Do you know how many $100 bills you have to get to get to 200000 I could have easily been like, oh, God, it's $100. I need a lot more than that. 
And oftentimes, hear me, oftentimes we want God's promises to be fulfilled immediately. We want the $200,000 to fall in our lap where we're like, God's got it, no worries. It would have been so much nicer for that dude to just to write a check, say, here's 200 grand. Let me tell you something. I may have ran around that golf course just praising Jesus, but that's not what happened. Why? Because oftentimes, hear me, oftentimes God's promises are given to us, given to us through seed form. The manger was not this extravagant thing, but yet there was a savior in the manger. Why? Because yet even though the promise was significant, what he was given and what we were given was not very much. What are we meant to do? We're meant to take the confirmation and latch onto it with our faith and watch God continue to build as we go. It's so cool because I was so hyped about a $100 bill. And here's what's crazy. Three years later, just this year, 2021, we've given over $30,000 to missions and outreaches as a church. Just this year. I'm believing next year, praise God, because y'all are a generous people. Come on, somebody. I'm believing next year. Like my, my prayer is that we're going to be given every year more than what I was believing for the first year. I'm believing we're going to be given 200,000, 300,000, 500,000. We're going to be given to missions and outreaches. Why? Because we serve a God who, one, he calls us, but then two, he confirms things in us. And it's not just for us. It's for those that go, uh, that are around us and go at, come after us. Amen? So that being said, that being said, I know it's a hundred dollar bill. I'll stop waving at you. But here's what I know. Oftentimes God's promises come to us in seed form. We write the blog. God calls us to write a blog. We're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write a blog. Yeah, I'm going to be a blogger. I'm going to write. You know what? I'm going to be a blogger and a vlogger. I'm going to be one of those video bloggers. I'm going to be a vlogger. I don't even know what that is, but I'm going to do it. And we get all hyped. And so we blog. And we, get, we send it out to all our friends and our family members. We're like, my gosh, we're about to get a million followers. And two people read it. And we're like, God, you told me to do this. Why? You start your YouTube channel and you got two subscribers. <laughs> you get the third view and you're like, God's on the move. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but oftentimes this is what we do. We want God's promises to be fulfilled before we walk out in obedience. See, oftentimes God's promises are in seed form because he's looking for obedience, not an outcome. See, God isn't, doesn't care how many people read your blog. He wants to see if you're going to be obedient to write your blog. God doesn't care how many people come to the, our church. Well, he does. But I'm saying in the beginning, it was more about are you going to be obedient with following me and obeying him on where I'm calling you to go. It's more about our obedience than it is an outcome. If we're concerned about outcome, we'll never walk in obedience because outcome doesn't come right away. That's through building the promise that God has put in us to see him move in our lives. Oftentimes our promises are in seed form. What is God asking of you? Maybe God's been asking you to, and challenging you to start a business. Start the business. Maybe God's been challenging you to, to write a book. Write the book. Wow, I don't know if anybody's ever gonna read the book. Who cares? Because in the end, if no one ever reads the book, your obedience will always outweigh the outcome of what you think is right or wrong. Oh, God's, God's, God's been challenging me to get more involved with, with, with speaking and, and leading a small group, but I don't really know a whole lot. Start a small group. 
lead. Oh, God's been, asked, God's been challenging me to pray at my work, in my workplace, but I don't know if anybody will pray. Like, and I started it, and it's at lunchtime, and like one other person came, and these other people came in like to heat up their soup, and they were like, what are these people doing? And it was real awkward. Start, start the prayer group. Let God, be, let God be worried. Let us be a people that let God worry about the outcome. Let us worry about the obedience. See, here's what's cool about the manger. Again, we're talking about the manger. We're talking about how insignificant the manger was. It was so small, but yet the savior of the world was in that manger. The promise of the savior of the world. Here's what's cool about that. If we, were just, we could have just written it off, oh, it's just a ch- another baby in a manger. It is what it is. No, it's not, it's not a king. That can't be a king because there's no way that's a king because a king would be in a kingdom and a castle. No, but God says, listen, the promise isn't something so small and insignificant. And as we walk in obedience to what God has called us to, we'll see an outcome greater than we ever thought we would. What is God asking of you? I would challenge you. Are, you. are you allowing time for God to him, for him to speak and confirm that word in you? Because I know this, hear me, I know it. We serve a God who is constantly speaking his promises over us. Am I hearing it? Am I hearing what he's saying? And then am I obeying and walking out how he's calling me to live? Because I know if I am, God's gonna do something in me and through me that I never thought possible. Luke chapter two and verse 11 it says the Savior, yes, the Messiah, and I'm closing with this for those whoever's playing the keys, you can come make me sound spiritual for a minute. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. She gave birth to her firstborn son, Luke chapter two and verse seven. She gave birth to her firstborn born son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The manger shows us why he came and the manger shows us who he is, but it also, the scripture says here, the savior, the Messiah has been born. Here's the question that I would immediately ask if I would have been there. I would have been like, well, how is he going to do that? How is he going to save the world? He's going to be one man who lives forever, that goes everywhere. That is, I mean, how is he going to do it? I love it because the manger shows us why he came. The manger shows, us, manger shows us who he is, but then the manger also shows us how he's going to reach and save the world. I love this because the manger, again, was such an insignificant thing. It was, it was no bed or crib for a king. It was insignificant. It was ordinary. And yet we see all through the scripture, this is who God uses to bring glory to his name. This is who God uses to bring the gospel to every city and every country and every world. It's not these extravagant people that we feel like we have it all together and we're looking all good and we're all spiritual and we know, all, we know every Bible verse. No, here's what it is. It's ordinary people that feel even may somewhat insignificant when it comes to Jesus and the gospel. And here's what it is. He uses those people. Why? Because he's looking for the glory, not us. See, here's what's interesting. The manger being the manger, the focal point was on Jesus. If the the shepherds and the wise men would have walked into a castle and they would have walked into this room of a prince 
of a king, and there, was, there would be all this, I mean, glamour. We're talking about glamour back in the day, biblical times. They, did, they went all out. I'm talking about there would have been gold walls, gold, gold ceilings, gold beds. There would have been every, it would have been this huge, glamorous, unbelievably beautiful room, beautiful bed. And here's what happens. It's almost like the focal point would have been on the stuff and not on Jesus. Well, Jesus said, no, that's not what I want. I'm not looking for people that have it all together. And I'm not looking for people that want all the focus and all the attention. What I'm doing is I'm looking for just average, ordinary, everyday people and things. And here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lay in the manger, why? Because now it's not like, look at that manger, wow. No, it's, look at the son of God. Look at Jesus. It's not like, look at their talent. Oh, look at how good they are at this. Look at their leadership skills. No, it's look at Jesus through them. Do you know, do you know the most expensive crib on this planet? How do I know this? I Googled it. Most expensive crib in the world. The most expensive crib on this planet today is $16.4 million dollars. $16.4 million. Now, if you read the article about the crib, it's a gold crib. It's made out of complete gold, solid, dot, 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 gold. You could probably chew on it. It's not going, it's gold. In the article about the crib, they say, these people are crazy. They say there's a much more affordable crib just like this that's made out of a different type of gold for $15.8 million. I was like, more affordable? What are they talking about? Now, again, in biblical times, many of you know this, kings and kingdoms, the kings, and and they had major amounts of gold. They probably would have had rooms even and cribs even more expensive than that because of how extravagant these men and women were. And so here's what happens. If these people come in and there's this $16.4 million gold crib shining at their eyes, everybody would have been so in love and so, wow. Unbelievable. Here's what happens. Now, all my distraction and all my focus is on all different things other than Jesus. But Jesus said, no, I want ordinary. I want insignificant. Why? Because if I use ordinary and insignificant, they're not getting glory. I'm getting glory. And this is what Jesus does for us today. This is how he reaches the world. He uses insignificant people like me and you. He uses people that are broken and weary and tired, just like me and you. Why? Because he's looking for people that will say, God, I want my neighborhood. I want my job. I want my school. I want my friends. I want my family. I want them to see you because I know if they see you, you are the savior of the world. I don't want them to see me when I go back home for family. I don't want to go and them to see Jordan. I want them to see Jesus in Jordan. Why? Because Jesus is the one that changes everything. God uses insignificant people to show them a significant God. And we see this with the manger. Why is the manger so important? Because it shows us why he came. It shows us who he is, but then also it shows us how he desires to use you and I. He he desires to use average, ordinary, and I'm not calling you average and ordinary, but we all are average and ordinary people that just say, God, here's what it is. I desire to be used by you. I love this scripture because the Bible says that they go to the inn 
but there's no room in the end. And so since there's no room in the end, they have to go to some stable or wherever they were and have to find somewhere to stay for the night. And you know, imagine being the, the manager of the end. Imagine finding out that Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, you had the opportunity to host him in your, in your end. You had an opportunity to help his mom and his dad. You had an opportunity to be the, the, the end of all ends. And yet you said, you know what? Got a lot of people here. I got a lot of people going on. I'm real busy tonight. You know, there's a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of, uh, you know what? I, I, I don't think I have room. You know what? I got a lot of things going on with my work and my job and my family and my friends. And I got a lot going on with, my, with shopping. And I got a lot of, I got so much going on. And here's what happens. A lot of us, we end up being the manager of the end. We get so busy and so caught up in what we have going on that we miss what God is trying to do through us to those around us. I want to encourage you. I say it all the time. Y'all know I do. I say it all the time. God has called every one of us to be a light right where he's placed us. But if we get so caught up in being busy where we are that we can miss God really trying to work in us and through us. Because I believe this. Oh, my goodness, I believe it. I believe that as we love him and follow him, as we reflect the glory from ourselves and put it on him, I believe people around us will see him. And I believe, I'm believing big, big, big for our families. For those of you that have lost family members in the room, for those that have close, very close friends in the room, I'm believing big that God's gonna reach out to them. That the light and the love of Christ will shine so bright in their lives that they'll see him. And I know this, I believe it. If they see him, they'll be forever changed. I love the shepherd's story because the Bible says that they went and they saw him and then they left. The Bible says they told everybody about him and then after telling everybody about the story, the Bible says that they began to worship and praise God for what he had done in their lives. It's a picture, oh my gosh, I'm, I get so excited. It's a picture of as people see Jesus, things are changed. And I'm believing in 2022 and even this season of 2021 as we come to a close, I'm believing God's gonna use us to reach our friends and our family members because I know this, God loves them just like he loves us, amen? Let us be a church as I close today. Let us be a church that understands the manger is not just an object in a Christmas story. The manger is you and I. People that are broken, that are in a mess, that are dirty, that just need, need a savior. And for some crazy reason, God uses us to show his glory through us. Amen. Can we pray today, Father?